Welcome to the 393rd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that holds out a charmed apple of collectibles knowledge to sink your teeth into each and every week. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at, at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of this week. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that this show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? We've got some awesome segments to go over. We're going to start off with the Week in Review, both online for a Super Qualifier and then a Pioneer Challenge. Then segment two is our top movers of the week. We've gone into a lot of things that got pricey. Then we can talk about the top movers online, then cards to watch. We've got some buying and some selling to do. And then we want to talk about how things went this week with the release of Wilds of Eldraine, the set of Woe, and a little discussion of the uh, WOT as well, the, the subset. From the Commander decks. Alrighty, moving on into the metagame we can review. Pretty spicy looking modern super qualifier this past, uh, I think it was Saturday, September 9th. This thing was taken down by a four color Omnath list, but this is an evolution of the builds that we have seen from the last 12 months or so. They picked up the one ring as one of the natural homes for that card when it came out earlier this summer, and now they are branching into Up the Beanstalk, the new enchantment out of Wilds of Eldraine. It's an uncommon, cost two. It basically cycles as you put it into play, draws a card right away, and then anytime you cast anything that's worth five or more, it draws an, another card. And if you don't pay a lot of attention to modern, you might think, well, that's that can't be very good in modern where everybody's so low slung. But the reality is that because you have cards like Leyline Binding, where Domain based functionally makes them one or two drops, but they still count as a six drop, that's going to tr- trigger the Beanstalk. Omnath, Locus of Creation, already draws a card when it comes into play. Uh, so it doesn't trigger the Beanstalk at four casting cost, but Solitude and Fury are both in this deck as four ofs, and they certainly do. Talk about value. I mean, one of, the only downside those cards even have, if you can call it that, is that you got to discard a card or exile card like you do with force of will to make use of their overpowered abilities and this offsets that completely if you have the ups the beanstalk and play at the time it's pretty hilarious that solitude and fury will cause you to draw a card off up the beanstalk if you pay the alternate cost but grief the one that causes them to discard won't and so I don't know whether to be relieved or amused by that, but this is a really amazing deck, and I'm super impressed at how these things work together. You know, you mentioned Leyline Binding. Don't forget Prismatic Ending. You choose how much you pay for that. Yep. So if, if you pay extra into Prismatic Ending, not only can you do more in terms of what you're exiling, but you also get the draw card. And for two mana, that's it. It's a really, really amazing thing and i am super duper impressed with this entire endeavor there's an elish norn mother of machines in here of course which is also a five drop and then they've got a, couple, a little bit more spice in the sideboard in the form of Emrakul, the promised end and another copy of elish norn that can also play up the beanstalk uh good timing i just told Alara a very cute story about going up a beanstalk to fight a giant the other night Mine don't like it when I tell them stories anymore. They just want to go to sleep. <laughs> Amulet Titan. Both good and bad. Both good and bad. Amulet Titan was in second. Blue Red Murktide in third. Burn in fourth. Four Color Omnath without the Beanstalks, but I suspect they will have them by next week. In sixth. Blue Red Murktide in seventh. 
And then we talked last week about the mono black coffers lists that have been floating around and edging their way into top eights. And here we have the deck again, but showing up not once but twice in fifth and eighth place. Very impressive showing for an archetype that was basically absent in modern for the vast majority of the history of the format. You know, it's a fantastic place to put Karn the Great Creator. If you've got Cabal Coffers and Urborg in play, let's see. So two tap add three. So you really get to profit mana at the fifth land. The fourth land is even in terms of mana? No. No, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So then uh, at the fifth land is where you start getting really paid off and you can start doing really redundant things. Of course, it's a Shieldred uh, Bowmasters list. And so uh, is Urborg a swamp by itself or does it just say... Well, it makes everything, everything all land swamp, so it becomes a swamp as it comes into play. I know, but can you troll for it? Oh, no, I don't think so. It's I don't think it's a swamp uh, outside of play when it's in your deck now but that's not a big deal because you can troll for any of the other nine swamps in the deck to cycle and get that rolling yeah it's pretty great i'm really impressed with this list it is not a swamp so you cannot uh cycle for the urborg more is a shame also definitely worth noting that they're still running the four copies of march of wretched sorrow they weren't just testing it it looks like a, a mainstay in the archetype so you know how well does this deck need to do before the fancy versions of that card start to slide up that is a good card to keep an eye on. What's the we have the showcase versions of that with the neon? I think they were just three or four bucks last time I looked. Yeah, they're not expensive, and there's only the showcase is probably where I'd want to be. I like it. I'm gonna have to take a look at this. All right, moving on over to the Pioneer Challenge from September 9th. We have Blue Red Phoenix in first, Mono Green in third, Blue Red Creativity in fourth, Green Red Aggro. With uh, a couple of new cards uh, out of Eldraine, or at least one that I noticed. I think it was the... Is it Ruby Daring Tracker? Yeah, the the red-green legend. Yeah, because Ruby is a 1-2 for red and a green haste human scout. Whenever Ruby Daring Tracker uh, attacks while you control a creature with power four or greater, it gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So you're attacking with a three, four that can also function as a hasty, uh, mana elf, which is not a bad card at all in a red, green aggro shell. Yeah, that does play pretty nicely. Uh, I like that. The other thing that jumps out at me here is we have blue, red Phoenix, and then a red, white heroic deck. And then the eighth place, list is the Kinnan Rona combo deck with Mox Amber that was floating around some months ago that is, has never really fully gone away and I've certainly sold a whole bunch of Kinnans this year uh, almost certainly on the back of this list floating around the format yeah it's a it's a fun combo and you know you get to do a lot of neat things with it Kinnan is a fun card to break in commander so I'm, I'm happy to see this in commander as well or Pioneer as well. Tyvar, Jubilant, Brawler, uh, Foil, Step and Completes from All Will Be One, another one of the rares in this deck to keep your eye on if, the, if it keeps doing well. Uh, moving on over to Top Paper Movers, we've got Fairy Mastermind, just regular copies out of March in the Machine, going 6 to $8. This has crept up to be the number two EDH card out of MOM which is validating for me because I was advocating for it pretty much from first sight. And everybody agreed that it was a solid card in EDH. I don't think people necessarily agreed it was going to be a super staple, but it's very much looking that way given that it's in, it's in 6% of all blue decks since release. And if we look at EDH Rec, we are talking about 37,000 decks already. The only card in that set that's doing better is Tribute to the World Tree at 43,000 decks, 8% of all green decks. That's pretty impressive. So that's ahead of City on Fire, Atali Primal Conqueror, Shieldred, Invasion of Ikoria, Breach the Multiverse, Vorinclex, Ren and Realmbreaker, all sorts of good cards in that set. But it's Fairy Mastermind, Tribute to the World Tree, and Cami of Whispered Hopes that are top of the heap. And the the price graph looks pretty good too. They the price of all versions are trending upward, 
So if you're looking to get some cheap, this is going to be one of your last chances to do so. I would imagine there's also fairy decks getting built for standard that make use of this since it is a fairy. And a fairy rogue so that whatever a flavor of fairy you're building, you can get that going on too. Get your prowl. Treasonous Ogre at a conspiracy, 7 to $10 this week. That's 43% gains on the back of Rowan wanting this as an auto-include in EDH decks. Ogre allows you to lose life at will, which fuels Rowan's uh, mana discount on red and black spells for the turn. Works really well with my pick last week. Drain yourself for a whole bunch of life, and happily, you're adding mana that you can use to fuel whatever spell it is you're going to cast. The trade-off is exactly there, and the card is exactly what the deck wants. Deck's definitely going to want a bunch of drain life type effects, yeah, because you're going to need to get that life back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Exsanguinate is for. Yeah. EDH is not is not a format where you can drain yourself down to five and then ho- hope to take on the table most of the time, unless you're in CEDH. <laughs> uh, Beseech the Mirror Extended Arts going absolutely through the roof. Uh, this is the uh, only available in Collector Booster Packs. 35 to 55 that's 57 percent gains right out of the gate it's doing well in standard it's showing up in modern decks it's the number three edh card from the set so far but all of that still adds up to me uh, that this card is overpriced because i think it's going to probably settle in one maybe two modern archetypes uh, as a mythic it's one of many tutoring options in edh so i don't think it's going to be a major major force there and you know, if it sees play in Standard Pioneer, Modern, and Legacy, and it's a four of in at least two of those formats top eighting on a regular basis, then it will certainly be possible for it to hold a 20 to $30 price point going into the late fall, but I'd be very surprised to see it hold 50 plus. Oh yeah, I'm over here nodding. I wrote about it on Friday and we're going to talk more about the buying patterns. I'm with you on all, all counts there. Vendelian Click, they did the Jumpstart 2022 product, 350 to 550 on the back of Fairy Hype. Fanghorn Forest Surge Foils at Allure of the Rings. We talked about another one of these last week. I think my pick was the Cabal Coffers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. And I had also that day looked at the Fanghorn Forest and had similar thoughts about it, that it looked like it was draining out fast enough that it was going to overwhelm any ability for vendors to restock. And indeed, at least on TCG Player, they have drained up from 250 to 400 this week. That's only, you know, 60% gains, which isn't that impressive in our world. But again, you got to look at absolute terms. If you had a couple copies of that line around, you're up a couple hundred bucks after fees, which is a very solid place to be. And as with Urborg, this is just going to be a super staple forever. And while they will certainly reprint this again in the next couple of years, it will may well not be a version that is this rare because the Surge Foils are actually a very low drop rate, as you and I highlighted up front from the Lord of the Rings collector boosters. Yep. I mean, there, like you said, there will be other rare versions to chase, but this one has the fun of being part of the Lord of the Rings set. And honestly, once they announce whether or not the Realms and Relics are going to be reprinted this holiday season, we might see these take an even bigger jump if they say, nope, we're not going to do it. We tested Court of Garenbrig in, the, in some early testing with the Pro Traders last week or the week before. Uh, alongside all the other Monarch cards in the cycle. And it was widely agreed among the players that this is the best of the bunch just because it gets you Monarch on three mana. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you get to distribute two plus one plus one canners. And then if you're the Monarch, you double the number of canners. So if you're in an aggro deck that can protect yourself relatively well, then your creatures are going to start getting big in a hurry. And especially in things like Attracts Counters Matters, this is an auto-include for sure. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other places that you're going to want it. Hydra decks and the like. It's it's the kind of thing that I might run in Ginny Fey just because it's easy for that deck to keep the Monarch uh, and or recapture it, even if I didn't care too much about the counter synergies. So not tremendously surprised. I just ordered one for uh, my Zaxara deck because I'm making all those Hydras with 1-1 counters and this is just the bonkers. Yeah. So seeing this go to $75 to $5 just for regular copies, not super surprising to me. And I would definitely keep your eye on the extended arts as time goes on here because people have made an early play on the card knowing it's one of the better Monarch cards. And it may well slide back uh, as more copies enter the market. But it's one of the cards from this set cycle that I am you know definitely have my eye on for the longer term. Ariette of the Charmed Apple is the number one commander of the week. Foils of this card went 5 to $10 as a result. Spell Stutter Sprite out of 
Jumpstart 2022, 7 to 14 on the back of that fairy hype. And then Crashing Footfalls is definitely a spec from back down the road on this cast. I think it was called somewhere in the $5 to $10 range for foils. Foils ended up this week going from $14 to $30. They're, ba- they're basically sold out on TCG Player. It's been left alone since the first printing in MH1. There are no variants to speak of from that set. And as a result, foils have climbed finally. Now, this is a prime target to show up in something like Modern Horizons 3 next summer or... Right. To you know, possibly as a subset in there or as a secret layer, but whether they get to it or don't get to it in the next calendar year is anybody's guess. In the meantime, your exit is here for anybody who bought foils early, and you're probably not going to want to take that exit ramp while Crashing Footfalls is still doing well in the format. Yeah, absolutely. When you get out while the getting's good, you shouldn't be holding out for even higher profits because. You probably bought when they were under 10, and if you can get out for even 25 or 27, then you're doing really, really great, and congratulations. Agatha's Soul Cauldron out of Wilds of Eldraine, one of the banner mythics of the set, started out at about $15 on TCG Player last week and is now up to 35 Seeing experimental play in multiple formats and EDH as well, uh, but we'll talk about this in a little bit, it seems to me like it's overheated. We've got... I would agree with you on that, yeah. Mindstone Surge Foils at a 40k as the Surge Foil targeting of the week, going 3 to $8, 170% gains. And then, of course, Up the Beanstalk has uh, been bought up in large quantity in non-foil versions for competitive play, going from $0.50 cents to two twenty-five. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this pushed up into the 4 or $5 range, even for non-foils. Uh, if it continues to do well. There's plenty of people that were out there already sitting on money pile builds, and they're going to want to update to make sure they have these four cards, it looks like. You know, you already have most of this deck ready to go. Might as well add the new sweetness to it. Biggest gainer out of the gate from for the weekend, and biggest gainer from Wildspell Drain, is the Questing Druid Showcase Foils that are found in Collector Boosters. They go... They might actually be in Set Boosters too. I, I would imagine Showcase Foils are not CB exclusives. They're just harder to find. Uh, they went a dollar fifty to six dollars. There's a Pioneer Zoo deck that uh, that was doing well this week, and I suspect that between Standard and Pioneer play, that's where you're going to see the pressure from the Questing Druid emerge. Uh, I also yep. wanted to shout out that I opened my first Collector Booster box of Wilds of Eldraine this afternoon, and was pleasantly surprised to find that they are all Japanese produced boxes now. And the consequently, the foil quality is as good as we have t- we typically see from Japan. There's been this thing in the past where, for multiple sets over the last couple of years, Japanese versions of CBs have commanded a premium over English cards that came out of Texas-produced CBs because the Japanese considered their own versions to be superior, which they were. They didn't, right. didn't curl as much, and the, the foiling is more more subtle, especially unsleeved. So the very happy to see the English CBs being printed in Japan. Unclear to me whether that's going to be an ongoing thing or what, whether it was part of the uh, anime subset print run. But no one's going to complain about foils that don't curl as easily. And that's a that's a humidity issue for those of you keeping track at home. And if you're familiar with Texas, humidity is Texas's middle name. Well, it's not it's not only a humidity issue. The when you get a a curling foil, it's certainly true that it is humidity related because it's about the the percentage difference in the humidity where you are versus where the card was produced. But it's not the the fix from Japan isn't just that their humidity is different because Japan gets quite humid as well. Um, especially in the summertime, it's more that their printing process is different. They have a higher quality printing process. They're probably using a higher quality stock, and the machines that are applying the foiling are different. They're, they're probably just completely different machines, and they produce a different effect on on the stock that they're using. Okay, yeah, that 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 is also very applicable. All right, moving on over to top MTGO movers of the week. We have Fury out of MH2 going 21 ticks to 32 ticks on the back of constant modern play. We have Sigarda's Aid out of Eldritch Moon going 0.83 to 2.32 ticks. The only thing I can find to justify that this week is that it's a include an Ariette, and Ariette is, the uh, again, the top commander of the week. So I guess that's 
Magic Online Commander players. Agatha's Soul Cauldron, 21 ticks to 68 ticks on the back of Modern Yogg and Scales play, and also some experimentation in Pioneer and Standard, as I understand it. Again, that is just a whopping number for a Mythic that is currently being drafted to death, so could be a, a solid short target. We'd have to run that one by Oko and see what he thinks. I'm sure he would say to short that. I mean, that this is its first week out. People have hardly opened any yet. It's a mythic. You need it as a three or four of in your deck. So, yeah, uh, get to it. I can't imagine playing the the Yawgmoth Infinite Undying Triggers combo in Magic Online and just having to repeat the loop over and over and over again. So, I've got uh, cards to watch picks this week here in segment four, but they're both sell calls because I just I see numbers here that don't make a lot of sense to me, and I want to flag them and make sure people get out on time. Agatha's Soul Cauldron is a legendary artifact out of Wilds of Eldraine. Cast costs two mana. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. Creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with Soul Cauldron, and then you can tap it, exile target card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. So they're using this in Yogmoth in Modern because that deck combos off by having undying creatures return from play uh, multiple times. So this this is a nice fit there. And it's going to find some additional homes as well because it's got a, a bunch of angles to it. That being said, you know, I'm looking at current pricing on this card and I'm having trouble swallowing it. The If we're looking at the extended art version of Agatha's on TCG Player as of this evening, I'm looking at a 37, almost, I mean, including shipping, basically a $40 price point. Now... It was discussed in our Discord today, uh, shout out to Dalio, that the extended arts for cards that don't have alternate versions are a lower overall drop rate than the cards that have multiple versions, for obvious reasons. If you have multiple versions and you can find them in multiple slots in the CBs, then there is just more of that card overall. So we, this is similar to what we saw with the extended arts in Lord of the Rings that only appeared in the Commander booster packs the slot composition for the collector booster packs for wilds of eldraine makes things like beseech the mirror and soul cauldron rarer than they would be otherwise i'm with you so far keep going like the what you're saying uh you know we i wrote about your odds of pulling each from each slot and there is a slot reserved for uh the there's one slot for non-foil showcase or borderless that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the slot where you can pull extended art rares and mythics, and the number of cards you can get from there is smaller. Bottom line for me is that this this card looks relatively niche to me, and even if it is a permanent include as a couple of copies in a couple of modern decks, I don't think that's going to be enough to hold a $40 price point. Generally speaking, everything priced on opening week should come down anyway so you've already got that momentum working against you if you hold <clears throat> but i have a strong suspicion that even if it continues to see play it's going to slide from 40 to 20 and i wouldn't be surprised to see it anywhere in the 10 to 25 dollar range depending on how it does in the various formats i'll be i will be very surprised if it ends up like shieldred and is commanding an 80 dollar price point next spring that seems super unlikely, though it is a, you know, a colorless mythic that can go into any color commander deck. We'd have to, for it to do shieldred levels, we'd be needing it to be popular as a three or four of in a lot of different constructed formats. We'd need big numbers on the, um, <clears throat> on the commander inclusion as well. So I don't think that's going to be a thing. So yes, I, I'm with you on this. That if you have it, you should be selling it. I mean, it's a completely reasonable card for me to test in, again, a Trax Accounters or something like that. Because just being able to ping cards out of graveyards that are relevant to opponents and get a Hardened Scales or a Doubling Season or Parallel Lives trigger or whatever as a result, is is it might be worth a slot. But so far, it's only in 
eighth place, seventh or eighth place on the set for EDH Rec. And I could see it moving up in front of Obria, Dreaming Duelist, and maybe Knight of the Sweets Revenge. Don't think it's going to move past Beseech and Stroke of Midnight and Moonshaker Cavalry. The, the other thing to note is the drop rate on these. And as I put in the article when the set first came out, to get a non-foil mythic in extended art is going to take 166 packs. So there might not be that many of these going around, especially in the extended art. But we're talking about all the the copies right here, right? You didn't just pick... Oh, you just picked EA. So yeah, EA at 40, uh, that, needs to, uh, that needs to come down, given how many are about to be opened. All right. Tell me about your first buy call here. The first one I think people should buy, uh, given that uh, Hilda is one of the top commanders of the week. Uh, people are building this deck that likes to tap down what other people have in play. So if you need a card that does that, there isn't a lot more fun than Opposition. The two and two blue enchantment from way back in Urza's Legacy that has an invocation version available for around $32 near mint. And I'm conservatively picking this to go to $50 once people realize you can get this very rare version in a very unique frame and just tap a creature to do what Hilda wants to do, which is tap another creature. And then you have plenty of mana left over to pay for Hilda's abilities. Now, uh... There are super-duper expensive versions of Opposition out there. Notably, there's a 7th edition foil, and there's the original Urza's Legacy foil. So this is never going to hit, like, hundreds of dollars. That's where the, the those two foils are lurking at. In fact, the Urza's Legacy foil is around $70 to $80 right now. But this invocation being just 32 is going to find a lot of buyers, even though a lot of people, including me, are not necessarily huge fans of this particular art because you can't read what the title of the card is. But it's still really, what's the word I want? Uh, striking in person, and it's definitely not going to get any more copies. So if Hilda stays popular especially, I think this is going to hit up $50 pretty quick. My complaints about the invocations were well documented when Travis was still on the cast. The... Certain color combinations, like the green cards especially, are kind of egregious. The black and the blue ones don't look don't look bad um, overall. The other big complaint I had was they had a bunch of incredible art on the invocations, but the nature of the frame didn't highlight it. It was previous right. to the days where borderless was you know something they did every other day, and it's a real shame because I would love to see them go back and revisit the art from the cards in the invocations as borderless. Because they already have the rights. I mean, and I I always am a fan of anytime you can emphasize the art with much more of the frame, we should do that. But so we're preaching to the choir here. And regardless of what I think of these, they, several of them have held solid price points or made money. Like Force of Wills, a two hundred and seventy-two market price. Scarab Gods, two forty, despite having multiple reprints. Omniscience, one seventy. Damnations at one fifty-five. I made money on those. Days, I made a bunch of money on. Those are now about one hundred and thirty-five. Thought seizes made me some money. So, I mean, I didn't like them, but people bought them. And they're likely to need these for uh, this Hilda deck as well. Funny thing is, they also need it from one of my favorite decks of the year, which is St. Traft and Rim Corollas. But nobody's playing that deck. There's only 666 uh, versions of the deck uh, recorded on EDH Rec since it came out earlier this year. And that puts them in 916th place. So I'm likely, Hey, made the top 1000. Don't, don't feel bad. I'm definitely going to have the surprise factor. Anytime I take that deck out in public and I certainly run an opposition there <laughs> because I can use the creatures that St. Draft makes to tap down St. Draft and make more creatures, which is just ridiculous. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So yeah, I like that these, you know, it's, these have been out for quite a while. Wizards show has shown no inclination to reprint these anytime soon. You know, it's probably waiting on the the fancy card masters that'll inevitably come out sometime in the next three to five years. Inevitably, but there's right now there's only there's less than uh, fifty vendors. I don't see anybody. No, I'm sorry. There's one person who has four copies at fifty dollars. So we'll. I mean, this this should do well. Uh, you can even go a few bucks cheaper if you want lightly played or moderately played. Yep. 
I can get with that. The other card that ju- jumped out at me, I pulled one of these out of one of my packs today, and I was like, oh, if the Smothering Tithe anime is $30 or so, I'm for sure selling this right now. And then I looked it up, and I was like, 75 What? Now, keep in mind, Smothering Tithe started out as a rare, and it is now a mythic, but it's also gotten two printings this year, and in Commander uh, Masters just last month, and now again here in a set that's going to see plenty of opening as well, and if you like anime, cool, I can see how you like this art. (laughs) From an art director's perspective, this is not even close to the best art that's been on a Smothering Tithe card. That, I think that uh, honor still goes to the Double Masters borderless foils, and I, and I don't think it's particularly close. So unloading these for 75 and non-foil is the, the biggest slam dunk I've ever seen. I'll be putting mine up for sale tonight and undercutting the market to get it out the door. I think you're right that 75 is high, but given that you're going to open these about every 150 collector booster packs... I don't think that it's outlandish high. I think it's about twenty, thirty dollars too high. But I, I think that especially you're right that this is just real generic art. I wouldn't be surprised if the price on this creeped, uh, you know, crept back up into the the fifty-ish range. So this this is a great sell call for right now. Yeah, I, I suspect the version think, of the only version of this that I'm going to be looking at from a spec perspective is see what the lows get to on confetti foils, because yes, though I would never choose this art in confetti foil. The people that will choose it will will prefer it over the others for sure, and that that's a sizable segment of the market, even if I don't like it. Um, so yeah, for now, if you can get anything north of $60 on a non-foil anime borderless, go for it. And I think the foils are, foil borderless is going for some obscene amounts as well. Let me just double check. It's $112 for foils. And I think the confettis were well over 200 if I'm not mistaken. Confettis are much higher. They are 240 is the lowest near mint posted. Uh, I think, I think all of those are a sell. They're going to, they'll float down. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. That it is the time to sell the the hotness, and you should. All right. What about your uh, final selection here? My other pick this week, uh, fairies are big. If you're looking at the top commanders, one of them is the blue black fairy, who when you cast stuff on somebody else's turn, you get free fairy rogue tokens. And if fairy rogues are back on the menu, then let's do anything with prowl. And by far the coolest thing to do with prowl is to spend three in a blue and cast Knowledge Exploitation, who has not had any reprint, not a secret layer, not a list, nothing, since its original printing in Morningtide. Right now you can get the foils for around $25. Uh, you can get, you know, lightly played or moderately played down in the 10 to 15 range, but uh, the near mints are up there. And honestly, just a few cells, and this is going to be in the $60 range, because there's nothing holding this card back. So if fairies and rogues are popular, uh, if you haven't done this card, it is search target's opponent, target opponent's library for any instant or sorcery. Play that card without paying its mana cost, then that player shuffles up their library. It's normally 7 mana, but you hit with a rogue, and then you can cast it for 3 and a blue. So this is just going to wreck some face. If you've, if you've never had this joy of looking through their deck, finding the most broken instant or sorcery to cast, it's a good time. Here's a tip. Pick the blue player. Yeah, this is one of those things where the theme is very popular for some short to mid-range period of time. There's a couple of different fairy commanders worth pursuing. Uh, I will probably build a fairy's deck this month. I imagine lots of other people will as well. If you want one of these, there's very few of them left. I suspect they're cheaper in Europe and Japan, but they're not going to be that easy to find because of how old they are. And the print run took a dive the year that Morning Tide was printed. So they just never have been many of these foils. And that's why, you know, guys who handle a lot of bulk are always pretty excited to pull out bulk from that particular year um, because there's just all sorts of random uh, typo cards out of those, those sets that uh, tend to do well and haven't caught a lot of reprints. So this uh, makes sense to me. I, I don't think it's 
it would be a play if there were, say, hundreds of these listings lying around, but there aren't. There's eight listings, and there's going to be about 10 people that get a copy of this under $35, and then they're just going to be gone. And then it's gone, and then it's nothing but smooth sailing ahead of us. All right, we got a pretty quick weekly topic here. We'll just talk a little bit more about some of the price patterns, early price patterns on Wilds of Eldraine. If I take a look here at the mythics in the set, definitely the two banner mythics at present are Beseech the Mirror, market price of $48 plus, and Soul Cauldron, $38 plus, both in their extended art forms. And then in regular versions, talking about $33 for the Cauldron and $32 for Beseech. I suspect both of them have to come down from that price point. If they post up as persistent four ofs in multiple formats at once, then you know they they can be resistant, but are still going to be under a lot of downward pressure. If I had to pick something that has a chance at being a shieldred, I think it's Beseech. Um, I agree, but it has to. I think it has to be a four of in a deck in Pioneer and Modern that's top eighting regularly for that to be the case, because EDH alone will, will not be enough to to keep to keep it held up. I've seen stuff on people posting their deck lists on Twitter and everything about look at this cool combo that I have. And the glorious thing about Beseech the Mirror and the thing that might keep it expensive is that you, you don't ever play one of these. You will play the full set because you are about to do busted things with the card. And so I think that the current price is a bit high, but if you told me it barely got down to 30 and then it started creeping back up again i would not be shocked to hear that considering the number of people who are just going to pop this into their commander deck when they open it and the number of people who need to buy all the copies in order to play the full playset. there's a lot of decks testing it out they there's an oops all spells variant that was posted running this that i put into the discord tonight it, it can be a combo card, but can it also be used as a mid-range consistency booster where you're just you're trying to find, say, something like the one ring and Beseech goes Children. and gets the ring. And you can also use a Beseech to get rid of a ring if the ring gets too many counters on it uh, by using Bargain. So there's a lot of little synergies there that that will make it useful and in commander just you know being able to go get whatever it is you need a solution to an enchantment and art or artifact or a sweeper to take care of the board you know if you're going to sweep you don't care if you're bargaining because you're just going to give up one of the creatures that's going to get swept anyway (laughs) so that that works out totally fine It's, it's a very strong card um and again yeah i think it's it's probably got it's it's far less niche than cauldron and and less finicky, so I think it's it's got the, the best chance of being the highest priced mythic in the set. The other good one that's going to be good here is the new white crater hoof, Moonshaker Cavalry, flying 6-6 six, six for 8. When it enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and get plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Exactly the kind of thing I might put into Guy, uh, Saint Draft and Romulus as a finisher, or in Ginny Fey where it just functions as the thing that gets you past everybody and, and wraps up the game. Yeah, there's nothing not to love about the card. If you can reanimate it, even better. If you can flicker it, ring-a-ding-ding, there's no bad way to play this card. I think it is a bit overpriced for right now. It is not as good as Crater Hoof, I would say. But, you know, giving everything flying as opposed to giving everything trample... It's not like they're going to have a lot of flying blockers left behind anyway. The only beef is this thing doesn't have haste itself. So in smaller index where you only have three or four creatures, it might not be as good as Crater Hoof would be under that circumstance. Now, there are no other mythics over $6. And the ones that are, that are you know, three to six are likely to stay there or end fall. So if you don't hit one of those three cards in your collector booster packs, you're going to be pretty sad. The only rares that are... You know, even holding anything close to $3 are Sir Ginger the Meal Ender and Questing Druid Showcase version. Uh, I, I'm not very surprised by that. That makes a lot of sense. We've got the Goose Mother and Decadent Dragon at about 2 bucks a piece. Uh, the Iron Crag hanging in around there. But a lot of this is going to be, you know, held down because there's so much value in the subset here. If we're looking at anime cards... Uh, from the subset 
of enchantments that appears in collector boosters and and i think you can you can find find anime borderless only in collector boosters or are they also in set boosters so i believe that it's only in set boosters let me i'm sorry only collector boosters let me double check because i've got the collecting article let's see anime enchanting tales can be found in some draft boosters and set boosters. Yeah, so at a lower drop weight. We've seen this before. They've, they've played this yeah. trick before. But the confetti foils are limited to the collector boosters. That is correct. Right. So, I mean, we've got confetti foil Rhystic Study sitting at 330. Smothering Tithe, just about 300. Doubling Season at 150. My dad, of course, pulled one of those at his first pack today. Uh, he, he pulled a foil Beseech the Mirror and Doubling Season confetti foil out of his first pack. Because he's a total lux actor. You need to hang out with your dad more. Yeah. I mean, I got, I've only got half the genes, so I do pretty well, but <laughs> can't get the full power. Omniscience, sitting at 150. Gorgeous art there. That looks like a, a spec down the road. I pulled a, a foil borderless parallel lives out of a pack. Was pretty pleased with that. The confetti foils of that are at about 112. Necropotence at 95. Uh, Grave Pact at 80. The Blood Moon... The Blood Moon's interesting. It doesn't look a whole lot different than the one in Double Masters, uh, the first Double Masters set, and I think that one's actually better. And it doesn't really give an anime vibe because there's no anime character on the Blood Moon. Right. So I think that I'm not a huge fan of the upside there because I just don't think it has a specifically anime-focused market like some of these other ones do. Now, if we just look at the... So... Go ahead. I was going to say that... uh, Keep in mind, too, that the drop rates on Mythics especially is ridiculous. It's around one in close to 900 packs. And the drop rate on um, Confetti anime is uh, on a rare is around 450 packs apiece. Whereas for the non-foils, you're looking at around every 74 packs for a specific uh, non-foil anime card if it's rare, and then 150 if it's a Mythic. So you're having to open, you know, 900 individual packs on average to hit a confetti foil of omniscience, for example. Sure. Uh, if we're looking at just the anime borderless versions that appear in draft set and collector boosters, although at varying rates of drop, um, the Rhystic Studies are sitting at about 70. That's great art. Uh, can't fault anybody for wanting to run that. The Kindred Discovery is at about 67. Land Tax is at 66. Bitter Blossoms at 65. Uh, for the Confetti Foils, I, I'm curi- curious whether that's too cheap for the Bitter Blossom Confetti Foils, given how many Fairy Decks are going to get built this fall. I mean, there's a lot of special Bitter Blossom out there already is the problem. Yeah, but not a and Confetti is, Foil you know, and not with a cute little fairy sleeping on a Black Lotus. I mean, it's sure it's sleeping on a, a black lotus, but the bitter blossom art, uh, the regular enchanting, the regular enchanting tales is pretty neat, and so I I see where you're coming from. It is a very rare version of the card. It's just that this would have to be premium, premium over the box topper, over a judge promo, uh, over you know the double masters. The double masters didn't really have anything special besides etched. There's the secret layer version, which has the no text box thing going on. So there's a, there's a lot of versions to choose from on this. And I agree that, you know, confetti is cool and all. It's just that it's got to drag a lot of others up. I think the Goose Mother doubling season is probably going to be pretty popular on the go forward. So I would certainly watch for that to bottom out. out. Keep in mind, we just got that in uh, Commander Masters, right? So... That's two printings in in two months, and as a result, I would be hands off that until it settles for a while. And because they've they've done it twice now, we have to worry about them doing it once or twice again, six, 12, 18 months out, because we know that the teams don't coordinate well. So anywhere else that it looks like it might get snuck in, it might well do so. Now, good news is for next summer, because it's Modern Horizons 3, where doubling season has no presence or reason to be printed whatsoever, I suspect ju- they are going to leave this alone for a year or two. But we- we're in that era where you can't really say for sure. I think the parallel lives, the omniscience, the doubling season, the bitter blossom, 
and the Ristic study jump out at me as the, the ones collectors are most likely to want. The Smothering Tithe, as I said earlier, there will definitely be a market for it. It's like, an, it's like a high, like one of those high school drama scenes where like one anime character is laughing at the other one for being poor. <laughs> it's su- <laughs> super nasty. Rude, for, but okay, for, I'll, I'll give you that. For Smothering Tithe, but like I... One player laughing at another player or a character laughing at another character is actually fine. But I, I prefer the, you know, the the fist and coins motif of, of some of right. the other versions. I think that, yeah, just that's just my preference. Uh, yeah, I, I thought in Smothering Tithe, when I saw the anime art, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. This one girl appears to be eating something and the other one is crying somehow. So one person like laughing at the poor. I guess that's what's happening here. Yeah, but I, I, if I had to pick out like two or three of these that I think might be all-time favorites for the card in question, I'm gonna go with Omniscience. I think that's my first pick. Ristic Study is probably second, and I think the Goose Doubling Seasons got to be third. I'm a big fan of this Kindred Discovery art. Two fairies that are just really happy to find each other. I think that's really, you know, adorbs. And I think this Grave Pact is pretty cool, especially, like, the problem is, like, this Grave Pact is really cool, and then the Commander Masters Borderless is also really neat. So I don't know how I'm going to balance all of that, to be honest. All right. Any uh, other comments on Wilds of Eldraine? I had I had a good time opening the packs. They, they have the same problem that all collector boosters for standard sets have, is that they're, you know, they're you're going to have trouble pulling your value out. And, right and holding it like if you're planning definitely if you wait six months you can get better prices on whatever it is you want to keep for yourself and that's why i'm flagging the smothering tithe and the agathas that you know even if you decide you want them i think you can get out now get back in cheaper later and pay for a more solid chunk of your product that you picked up for cracking purposes and that is absolutely the plan yeah so the only other thing i would add is that uh you and i are probably going to talk many times about uh, the cards that are harder to pull and you highlighted the uh, council the, what was the cycle called the um, the monarchy cycle yeah council of Garenbrig, etc the council and such those are not going to be in regular packs those are only going to be found in the uh, collector boosters I believe I think they're set and no they're set booster exclusives for regular like they're not in the regular they're not in the draft sets because they're not part of the set so they're in the, oh right you can but you can only pull a foil version um, of them or extended art or extended art foil in the collector boosters, I believe. That's what I was going to say. So there is extended art uh, foil versions available in the collector boosters. And so that's going to be the one you're going to, I'm going to be watching to see how cheap it gets. Cause sure you have, but you only have two versions to choose from. You have the regular and the extended art. So that's where I'm going to want to be. And there's a ton of people who haven't found out how good the monarchy is in Commander. And it might be the best mechanic for Commander games. Like, if mm. you find that yours take too long. My, my favorites after playing hundreds of games with the Pro Traders are Goad. Monarch and Initiative are good in games where it's contested easily. In games where the mix of Commanders just happens to mean one person can easily snowball off of those like we have a couple of players that have decks that that run a lot of monarch and a lot of initiative in the same deck not only are those decks very finicky like they have a lot of game actions to, to process every turn but they, right. they also tend to if you can't handle whatever is generating that advantage for them they're going to snowball out of control because they're going to be picking up two extra cards a turn on on a regular basis plus the advantages of initiative so Whereas goad, think, whereas goad, it's very rare that a, a goad heavy game isn't just a better game, because it it forces people to play to the table, it forces people to attack, it forces people to hold back defenders wherever they can in the form of sweepers and or point removal, and be very judicious about when they use it. And goad heavy games like when we play against uh, Thantis, the War Weaver, th- those are some of the more interesting games we've played all year for sure. I just know that my most hated commander games are ones where people have defenses up and they're not doing anything. And so Monarchy introduces a reason to attack. It tells you who to attack. 
and it's not going to be the same person twice because the person who just stole it now gets attacked and it just it flows nicely and i see what you're saying about like some decks do snowball with the resources but any mechanic that gets the attacking going and i agree goat is a lot of fun as well uh it really makes the commander experience much happier for me yep but as for uh enchanting i'm sorry not just enchanting tales but wilds of eldraine uh it's an awesome set and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where some of these prices end up but mostly right now i don't think there's anything i'm really i would hold from this list if i opened a suite confetti card i would absolutely sell it and the people that are going to do the best in the short to midterm with with upside are people that got up the beanstalk early people that got uh beseech and cauldron on pre-order early at solid prices like sub 20 and are already in position to sell so those 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 were the opportunities and they are probably just behind you now I think like up the beanstalk might have additional upside, especially if it t- takes off in standard and or pioneer as a four of alongside. But because you don't have the um, automatically have access to the five, the free five drops, like both standard and pioneer have access to leyline binding, but they don't have the invo- the invoke elementals from MH two, which is right. a big part of the appeal. We do have sweet X spells to cast that whenever you cast for four or more, then you get to draw the card, but we don't have the same level of mana fixing that modern does. So I think that this will be neat and it's, it's definitely got the commander chops. We play a lot of five drops in commander. So I think this is going to be interesting and I'll, I, I have a hard time seeing it go super higher. We know it's not one of the promos, so it's going to be the regulars or the pack foils, and that's it until they get around to giving us a secret layer version. There's definitely a bunch of like high casting costs focused green decks that can eat, you know, maybe maybe green black X decks in EDH that can think about pulling out a five Rexian arena and replacing it with up the beanstalk. Yeah, that seems totally legit. I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, all right. Well, that's. Uh... I guess we're now ramping up towards Doctor Who. Should be a bunch of reveals on that as we get closer to Vegas. So uh, in the meantime, where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online on Twitter at Word of Commander, or you can read my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with a number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's it for today, James, but I can't wait to see all the stuff that happens before next week. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Thank you.